You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Today, we are bringing you our third installment on the October Horror Series. So the game is I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, and it is probably uh, one of the bleakest pieces of media I've ever encountered. Um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily scary, but it is depressing. Yes. Um, I am a, well, I can't say long time, but I'm a several years fan of the short story, um, which Mm -hmm. I discovered because I heard about this game. Uh, It was, um, I think, way back in the day of Home of the Underdogs, I was like going through some of like the random recommendations and this was one of their top dogs, so I knew about it at the time. Not that I ever actually like put in the time to actually play it, but <laughs> I um, I kept it in the back of my mind. I thought it was a weird name, <laughs> kind of funny actually. I think I like kind of chuckled at the name the first time I heard it. Um, <laughs> eventually, I found out that it was a short story. I read the short story. I um, quote unquote loved the short story, like. Uh, I think it was a great story. I just, it's very disturbing and haunts me. And um, so I don't read it very often, but um, I wanted to see what the game adaptation would be like. I just never got around to it. And apparently I still have only gotten around to like half of it, but um, yeah, that's my history with this game prior to um, not almost playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's an interesting concept. You've got the the superpowers, right? Of course, Russia, China, and America, and and they all get absorbed by another supercomputer that gains sentience. That that's kind of a a very grim look at how things might go. Being that all human beings, they don't do very well, and all that's left is a small group of them, and they are to be potentially tortured for all of eternity. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a bright and cheerful kind of story and to those to those who haven't played it uh, obviously spoilers ahead for for the game and, and a bit for the book as well but that being said there's there's only so much we can spoil because it's it's an experience this game so it's there's probably not a whole lot of harm in listening to this if you haven't played it because um yeah it's something you just got to experience but the the long short of it as anna began to touch on is you know there's only five people left at the end of world war three um and they're kept by the machine whose name is am um from I, you know, I think therefore I am, and he basically just keeps these five humans to to as playthings to to torture and have fun with in in horrible ways for his own amusement. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, technically, uh, AM stood for um, uh, what did it stand for? It's like some. Uh, it actually meant something. And uh, uh, allied master computer. Kind of poetically fitting too. I thought there's something you know just ominous and, and all powerful about being called M that mm-hmm. fit pretty well. But yeah, so he keeps he keeps these humans as as his playthings. And and what I really liked about the game that I didn't expect was that it was not so much an adaptation of the book, but a a contin- not a continuation either. Um, it, it doesn't try to copy what the book does. It just takes the book and expands on it. It gives you more background on the characters and such. It, it's it's kind of a supplement to the book. You've all read the book, so I'm more saying this to the uh, audience than to you guys. But uh, it's it's it it kind of fleshes out 
the short story. The short story was actually written in one go. Like that was his first draft that he published basically. So he like wrote it and then just like said, there, I'm done. He just didn't go back and edit anything. Um, but, uh, the, the game basically references a lot of the stuff that happens in the short story. And, uh, you know, the bad endings of the game is how the short story ends in pieces. Cause each one kind of takes a slice out of, uh, the last little, um, uh, the book's ending and uh, incorporates it into each of their final monologues. So it kind of, it's basically a reimagining. Like it's not, it is an adaptation in that he completely reworked the story. Like uh, there's a part in, um, uh, in Benny's story in the game where he references the moment where they find the food, uh, but can't access it. Right. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So they do refer to instances of the, the short story, mm-hmm. but, um, it's completely different from how things unfolded. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say the, the books, uh, the book just captures a, like a snapshot of, of the experience of what these humans live through all through the character of Ted, who's obviously one of the five in the game. Um, whereas the, the game gives you an opportunity to understand, you know, these five characters individually. Um, for example, you know, uh, Ah, fuck. Hold on. Is it Nim... Nim it's not Nimrod, but that's Nim all that's in my head right now. <laughs> Nimdok. <laughs> okay, Nimdok, right. So Nim- Nimdok in, in the game has a, has, a pr- has a pretty heavy backstory in, in that he was, you know, responsible for, for horrible experimentation in, in Auschwitz, uh, in, in the concentration camps, whereas in the book, you would have no idea of any of that whatsoever. You, mm-hmm. you, you, might, you might go as far as to sympathize for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how uh, each character in the game had a different story and a different environment. It was like uh, entirely different games. And if you just you can't get anywhere with one, then if, as long as you have a save game appropriately placed, you can try again with another. Yeah, it, what, what was interesting too was I, I I expected all five characters to be deplorable. Uh, I, I thought that they would all be kind of kind of on Nim, Nimrock, Nimrod, whatever that guy's level. Um, yeah. And they really weren't. I mean, they, they, none of them were great. Sans perhaps Ellen, who comes across really as nothing but just a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones, you know, uh, Garrister, Gorister, sorry, had a, like, I think he smacked his wife. And that, you know, I'm not saying that's it, that that's a horrible thing to do. Obviously, mm, we don't yeah. support any of but that. But it doesn't but, I mean, sound it's, like it's, her family's super sweet either. When you're listening to the jukebox and stuff, you're just like, oh man, like, what an unpleasant bunch of people anyway. Yeah, and it it doesn't sound like, you know, you should be tortured forever in the mm-hmm. most barbaric and humane ways, you know, sort of crime yeah. fit the punishment situation. I was expecting more, you know, a a a guy who who experimented on children from the Holocaust. That makes sense. Like, okay, you'd probably be a good candidate to uh, you know, just be, you know, horribly tormented for for all of time. <laughs> whereas whereas the other ones, you know, again, Gorster, I think he he hit his wife, you know, once. They, mm-hmm. they kind of make it a point to, to note that it's, it was an isolated sort of incident, um, and and then there was um, there was Ted who who he didn't really have any ghosts in his closet either. He was just kind of a dick, mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> a bit pompous, uh, and that's yeah. that's kind of it. Um, Benny actually Benny was kind of a bad guy, right? Because he killed some of his comrades in, at war. Yeah, three comrades, and you, but I kind of you can't help but feel bad for the guy, and and his the voice acting was so great, man. When he's just it like was. it hurts it hurts when he's trying to eat the fruit i'm just like oh poor guy i, I actually uh it, it has been a while since i read the book uh so a lot of this is sort of bleeding into each other did they ever go into that story in the short story 
about his um, about Benny's past? Not, no, not at all. The okay. one thing they went into was something they didn't touch on in the game at all, because in the game they shoehorned in Benny having a wife, which mm-hmm. I will say in the game was very weird. She, she's the one that pops up on, on the hologram at, towards mm-hmm. the end of the game, and, and it's his key out of the game mm-hmm. is to give the wife the, the fruit, the flowers, and be and, and you know allows himself to pass on. But um, in in the book, not only does he not have a wife or a backstory with war, they they make it a point to say that that he was gay. Um, mm-hmm. and, That's and, right. And in doing so, they were just highlighting that that because M uh, manipulated his body into this kind of hybrid of you know simian and, and human, um, that that M went out of his way to give him a very large. Uh, mm-hmm. M gave him a, a just a big old monkey dick is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah, really um, and that was almost. <laughs> <laughs> do, do monkeys have big dicks, or is his dick as big as a monkey? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure I want that on my Google history right now. Uh, I don't want to muddy things up for my recommendations later. Y'all are going to have to write in to give us an answer on that one. Or don't. I, 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 this podcast is rated PG. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, cause yeah, there, there are a few details that they left out and, um, uh, sorry, just going back real quick. I just wanted to point out that, uh, they did explicitly if i recall mentioned that the five of them were pretty much entirely random like they never figured out if there was any reason why the five of them were chosen uh it did it did say at the beginning like there's really no one could figure out why it was mm-hmm. those five yeah because so, they were like it's not because they were like the worst people they mm-hmm. were just like people that yeah. were chosen that were even even sometimes in specific situations where they had to be a certain way yeah, but they end up getting punished for it. But but I even mean, then, in in the book, it it doesn't go into pretty much anyone's backstories too mm-mm. much in the book, does it? Mm-mm. Yeah. So basically, it's just these five random people. Yeah. And um, I, I I guess in the game, it's kind of good that they established that like, hey, one of them was horrible, one of them is really not horrible at all, and others are various degrees on the spectrum of good and bad. Well, I wonder so. if, if Harlan, being that he had a part of the making of the game, was able to think, well, why did I put these characters in such a terrible position? And it gave him a chance to kind of expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit in a way he couldn't have done uh, without it. Mm-hmm. Especially considering that this is just like the first thing off the top of his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of a pain in the butt that you had to use every single door to open it except for in the level say with Benny when there was the caves so Gorister had to use each door instead of like right left click because there was a little bit of like right left click interaction in the game Mm -hmm. Uh, but I mean that that's a pretty small complaint it was kind of tricky because you had to use an item multiple times at different times to see how viable it was in your journey. Like, for example, using the tablecloth with a uh, Gorister, you're like, oh, you use it once. What are you going to do with that? Use it twice. Well, yeah, what are you going to do with that? But use it later and it's like, oh, I cleanse myself. This is a good thing. Yeah, there is. Um, I definitely needed the walkthrough, even from what I did play. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been the most obtuse if you submit to the fact that you're going to be playing this for a very long time. And you're just going to wander around lost for a while. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are things when you're trying to get through it. And if you tried to not use a walkthrough and you're, you know, you at least resemble an adult and have like less time on your hands. A lot of these puzzles would be kind of annoying. Like, uh, you know, you have to um, 
search things twice and say, oh, I didn't notice that before, but here it is. The first time I killed all the creatures to get the key, I thought I had done something wrong, so I restarted the game. I'm like, oh, that can't be what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I guess criticism would, for me, wouldn't even be on the story side because I think, I think it was executed really well. I, I kind of have very little, if any, complaints about the, the story itself. It was just the, the gameplay itself, the, the mechanics were, were super clunky. Like it was, it was released in, I believe, 1995, and I feel like they, I feel like they should have had it down better. Like adventure games were well established in '95; yeah. they shouldn't have ran into the kind of silly things that they ran into. There, there was some random bugs I came across where the character would float across the screen and crash the game, mm -hmm. and the animations, like the uh, going up the staircase and the zeppelin, he would enter the staircase like doing this moonwalk backwards. Just a lot of weird, mm -hmm. yeah. weird inconsistent mechanical bulkiness that that was more forgivable in like 88 than 95 but i mean that's you know that's all nitpicky i will say the graphics were, were cool i really I, I i'm not big on 3d as as people i'm sure know by now i'm annoying about it but it was it was pixel art but it was blended with like 3d rendered backgrounds like heavily mm -hmm. blended it was kind of hard to tell what was what but i i thought they actually did that really well mm -hmm. I think they must have pulled something off that was correct because anytime my husband or my kid would look over at me playing it they'd be like whoa that's dark didn't matter what scene <laughs> yeah. I was in, they'd just be like, that's real dark. <laughs> yeah. I think they could have done, um, sorry, and again, going back again a bit, um, I think they could have done that little moment a little bit better when you have to, uh, when you accidentally kill the animals to get the key. Because mm -hmm. I think it's just like, you do this thing to get a key, and by the way, it killed a bunch of animals. I think it would have mm -hmm. been cool if they like, actually like gave you the choice. It's like, you could get the key, but you're going to kill these animals if you do. Right? right, and it would have been like, and there's no other way to do it, but just to give you that one moment of like, well, I don't want to do that. I mm -hmm. want to find a well, way to does. not do that. It does. I mean, if you just back right out of the conversation, and you don't, but then you can't get the key, but it doesn't really describe it as such. I, I okay, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering it. Then mm -hmm. does it actually tell you that it will kill them if you take the key? Because I remember doing it, and then it just said like the animals are dead now. Mm -hmm. It does. It just depends where you click. Like you can bypass it and just use the thing and the animals are just dead. Or you can like look at the panels and and there's like a little preclude to what's going to happen if you do it a certain way. Oh, okay. So you, you can accidentally skip it. Okay, so that's, I what, that's what I get for using a walkthrough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't use a walkthrough the most for the first guy for Gorister. So I, I did a lot of random clicking on stuff. Okay. And, and the first time I... I I ended up screwing up by cutting open too many of the the airbags up on the top. Mm, right. <laughs> and then he smashed into the ground and he died and started over. Yeah. Whoops. But it was fun. I liked the death endings. I liked uh, a lot of the detail that they put into uh, making it dark. Oh, cutting the rope to have to use it again later on. I miss doing that too. I'm like, oh, the rope stuck. I guess I don't need it anymore. And I didn't clue and I'd use the knife to get the rope off. Yeah, very Sierra when, of you. <laughs> <laughs> or flushing the toilet. Uh, it, it also to get into the the next zone, to get to where the meat hooks were. Right, you had to flush locker, it three yeah, times, yeah. right? One time yeah. didn't do anything. Twice, oh well, there's nothing here. Wander around doing absolutely nothing for a while. Oh well, flush the toilet again. Okay, once nothing happens. Twice, okay, three times, but it has to be in a row. Okay, now I get into the room. <laughs> yeah, I will say if if you go to the coyote. First, he'll tell you three times. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. You have to, 
but you have to go to him first. Otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. you won't know that. Yeah, I, you know, de- speaking of deaths too, I, I could have, I probably could have used more of them in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, I, me too. There was, there was, right? Thank you. There wasn't as mm-hmm. many ways to die. Like, this would have been a great game for just, just plenty of Sierra deaths. No, for, no, 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 no. You, like, that can't happen. Because, I need it because go ahead. <laughs> because um, you can't really do that because uh, I, I know it's a little bit inconsistent in the short story because he starts saying one thing and then he ends it differently because, like, again, he just kind of re- wrote it all in one sitting. Um. But by the time the game came out, they kind of knew that uh, death was kind of the good ending for any of these characters. Right. Well, that's so, why they don't die. They just go right back to the beginning again. It's like a never-ending hell, but you did it wrong, but you die. They kind of took out that element. And if there was more deaths, that would mean, like, for example, I got stuck with Ellen in some sort of a loop and I couldn't get the robot to understand what the ROM chip wanted. If I could have at least killed her off, I could have started a game. But I didn't have a save file till before when I hadn't quite finished Gorister, so I had to go back even further. Because mm-hmm. you can't just run off and like yeah. d- know that that's the way that you die in certain scenarios. I, I would kind of say all or nothing then. Like it's either you you absolutely cannot die like LucasArts style to to preserve, you know, the meaningfulness of death in the game. Which you know they they didn't do that because there are a few ways to die. But are they? because they can't. Yeah, there's a couple ways to die. Like if you if you shoot more than one airbag in the zeppelin, you'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the only one that comes to mind offhand. There's a couple ways to die, at least one or two for each character. Um, mm. Mm, but okay. to, to what to what Anna was saying, and, and kind of just again, to, that's what uh, I almost... get for using a walkthrough. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I did try a few times, and it seems like they were protecting me. Yeah, oh, it does for the most part. And that's kind of where my complaint comes from. Is I felt like the game was protecting me, and and that took mm-hmm. away a little bit of the the ominous fear of the game like it didn't mm-hmm. feel as mm-hmm. as there, there wasn't enough consequence for me in the game and and so to kind of mediate what what you're saying Rick and, and what Anna's saying is that they, they could maintain the the purity and holiness I guess if you will of death in mm-hmm. in the story by when there was a death scene in the game what it would do is it, it would cut back to Am giving a monologue saying you think I'd let you kill yourself or do you think I'd actually let you die absolutely not this is going on forever so mm-hmm. it's, you know, the character doesn't die. He just gets taken out of his mm, simulation, if you will, right. and returned to Am with Am, you know, chastising him, saying, like, you know, you really thought I'd let you, you know, I'd let you out of this? No way. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. So he, he's just destined to, like, have gone through the death, but now to have to go through it again. And, and you as the player, your chastising essentially comes into having to repeat the steps it took you to get to the point where you were when you got sent back with that person again. Because you won't lose what happened to any other people you've completed. They'll just remain completed. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the visualization of, of, of uh, the book's ending in the game. So so the visualization of the, the game's bad ending and the book's only ending was phenomenal. Like the, that, mm-hmm. that gelatinous jelly creature with fog <laughs> for eyes that was just so haunting. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It did its service for sure. Yeah. The other one too where uh, you end up... Uh, the player ends up monitoring the computers, but Ego kills the 750 humans on the moon. Like, I wonder how they came up with some of these endings for the game. They're pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of that, that was a really cool. That was just a neat thing to add to the to the the game story, the mythos of, of the of the grand story of of it all was that that, that wasn't in the book at all. Again, was was that there was. Mm-hmm. After all, there was 750 humans sleeping on the moon, and they they made it a point to where one of the children in in the 
the Holocaust camp, you know, had a vision of, of you know, sleeping uh, mm-hmm. sleeping beings beneath the beast. It was just, it was really, mm-hmm. really well done. You could tell mm-hmm. that, that he was not only involved in the game, but he put a lot of love into it as well, a lot of thought. Yeah. You know what? And, you know, this also brings up a good point, um, or a point that I want to make, that uh, a lot of people, and this comes to all media, when you adapt something from um, usually a book into a different medium, uh, everyone criticizes if it's not exactly like the source material. And they think, like, oh, if you're going to adapt it, it has to be exactly like it. And I kind of understood that because I kind of went through like a lot of that, like a lot of people, but um, I eventually came around to thinking, you know, when something's adapted, it, it's just using the source as a reference and you kind of just have to consider them to be um, their own individual things, right? Like, yeah, they're going to share things, but you should like, you know, and it's worth stopping to think about the differences between them and why those differences would be made and what changes, um, how the changes affect different aspects of, uh, of the two. But by no means do I think that, uh, an adaptation is beholden to the source material as set in stone. And, um, and this is a good example of that because, I mean, if you try to turn the short story into an adventure game, <laughs> it's really not much there. And I I love the short story and a lot of the game kind of goes against a lot of what the short story is about. But I'm okay with that just because it's like, well, it's turned into a game. You got to turn it into a game in a way that works as a game that might not work as the short story. But, you know, that's the whole point of the adaptation, right? Well, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of depth. And, and I always approve a little bit more when any author is involved with an adaptation, uh, whether it's Douglas Adams helping make his own games or... Okay, at, at least you said the games. I was a little bit confused by the fact that Douglas Adams was behind the movie adaptation. Uh, he's actually behind the newer movie adaptation Th- as well. That's what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah. Yeah, he's behind that as well, and and the changes came from him. I know, and I don't is, get that. Yeah. That just seemed, that baffles me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, did not, I did not approve of those changes, even if it came from directly from the author. No, I was not overly <laughs> impressed with the changes, but because they came from the author, I grudgingly accepted them, and I wouldn't have otherwise. Okay, I will agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, I don't, I don't mean to directly contradict what I just said. Um, I just didn't like it as much. And, you know, I'm not saying that it had to be exactly like the book, but Mm -hmm. um, I can also just say that I didn't like that movie as much as the book. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, but in this one, it's just so different that I can't even really say that, oh, what what do you like better, the book or the game? Because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it it really does just kind of reference the short story more than anything, (laughs) but it's basically like this whole new story. They they complement each other really well. The game and the book, as, as opposed to one, you know, the game doesn't try to be the book at all, basically. And instead, it really it really just complements it. And what's kind of unique is that the 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 book reads like a game. It reads like an adventure that you're on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where you're traveling through the the snow and and the ice to to get to these you know supposed canned goods, and and you deal with this this hurricane bird i guess you could say it, it 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 reads like you know something that might make a decent game and then the game kind of reads like a book where they go into backstory and and they um 
expand on on character traits and things like that so it's kind of interesting so i guess regardless of what feels like what the the book the game does what the book does and vice versa Mm -hmm. if that makes sense that's fair yeah no that does i'm actually just kind of wondering myself because this is something which i usually have opinions about and i don't this time (laughs) is um the inclusion of backstories for these characters because you know quite often i find that um you know, I'm not saying backstories are always bad or I always don't like them, but quite often if I'm used to certain characters being a certain way, uh, backstories usually ruin that for me. But in this case, I really did feel like it fleshed them out a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's no precedent to what they're supposed to be in the book. I mean, at all. There's really – they don't give – the book doesn't expand on Ted, the, the narration of the book at all. It really only expands slightly on Ellen – Mm-hmm. In the sense that, in a sense, it doesn't get translated to the game at all because it, it, in the book, Ted kind of hints that that Ellen is is like a sexual servant, um, mm-hmm. but that she likes it. And and now this is this was Ted's opinion, so we you know that's probably a whole other dissection or conversation or whatever if you wanted to delve mm-hmm. into that. But but the point is is like you know you don't hear anything about Nim uh, Nimdok, you don't hear anything about. Benny, um, you don't hear really anything about Gorister, so so there's it's a blank slate. In other words, so mm-hmm. they they didn't set themselves up to be able to contradict themselves, which would be where criticism would come from, I'd imagine. Yeah, and I and I did think that there was a certain coolness to the blank slate characters in the short story. Um, you and I, Paul, have talked about uh, Battle Royale before, and uh, how I kind of liked that we didn't know anything about these characters and just seeing the way they unfold, and as a result of that we you know we just experience it as events that happen and you know what we know of these characters is spoken entirely just through the actions that they take and i appreciate that in the short story i like the fact that we don't know anything about these characters other than their actions in the story and the rest is for us to speculate or think about and you know it's that kind of using the imagination that kind of really makes me sit on a story uh, well after it's done. Right. But again, th- th- as a result, um, I don't know if I like that better than having them fleshed out a lot more because the way that they're fleshed out doesn't ruin them in the game. Mm-hmm. Like it does actually kind of add some depth to them, which I also appreciate. So I, I don't know which one I like better is what- all I'm really saying. Yeah, well, I don't. I'm not sure the game would be would be possible, especially as an adventure game, without without fleshing the characters out even a little. Mm-hmm. Which, which I guess you could probably fairly say that they're only fleshed out a little. It, it, that might be another thing in its advantage because they they don't they don't spend a lot. I mean, you don't have a lot of time. You've got to play five different characters in the game, right? So you only mm-hmm. get so much explanation. So again, that's probably to its advantage. But um, yeah, I'm not sure how 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 possible it would be to do the game without going at least a little into the characters. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the um, first chapter you play of each character is basically just going through their backstory, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What's funny, like in the case of like Nimdok, it's really heavy on his backstory. But in, mm-hmm. in the case of, of let's say, uh, I would say Nimdok and Gorister, it's, very, it's, it's heavily their Those backstory. especially, but- yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but in the case of like I don't know Benny and Ellen, it, it's more discovering their backstory as as they're trying to get through a certain task. Okay, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. 
Yeah, but, but I mean, it is at any rate fair to say that the game is about their backstories. Yeah, yeah, definitely yes. fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they use the torturing of the game that Am puts them into to explain who they are so that they can come to terms with it, kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well put. Which I will say, uh, this, this game definitely affected me probably on a more disturbing level than any other game has strictly because of, of, of Nimdok, because mm-hmm. just for me personally, my, my grandfather survived uh, six or so years in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And so playing as a character, uh, you know, that's back in the camps, it was weird, right? Because we have, it's in our nature, I guess you could say, you know, from years of gaming and such where you, you want to defend your character, you know, like you are that character in that moment. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I wanted to preserve his life and and almost defend his actions and get him out of the scenario alive, um, mm-hmm. or or dead in this case, since that would be the goal. <laughs> Sweet relief. So it was just weird playing like the enemy of of enemies, uh, especially mm-hmm. for me personally. I'm, I'm sure to, to any decent human being in the world would would look at you know somebody uh, in in Nimrock's former position as as a horrible person. But just personally, it's like God, like you know this this was you know. A fictional version of, of people that that you know put put so much of my family through hell, but like I I still I still wanted to make sure he was all right. You know, it, mm-hmm. was, it was just a weird emotion. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. A game is always able to touch you a little bit deeper when it's related to you, your life, or your family, or something that's happened. And this is the kind of game that's kind of meant to hit you in those visceral spots. That's you know that's what the author is going for. I think, especially when. He, he puts that kind of a depth into the storyline of the characters and making you kind of guess, like, are they really bad guys? And how, how is it I can still identify with them? And, you know, I, I love it when a game can push you to, to feel strong emotions like that. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, other titles by Cyber Dreams. It looks like they were only in existence for about four short years, but they did the Dark Seed Cyber Race, uh, Dark Seed 2 and noir a shadowy thriller other than that just i have no mouth they didn't actually put a lot of games out there mm. do you said you said they did the dark seed games yeah one and two interesting okay mm-hmm. well that makes sense yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i haven't played any of the other games this is the only one i've played out of their little series yeah, I haven't either. I, I want to play Dark Seeds. It's it's one of those games that I I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have looked into it anymore because as soon as I looked a little bit into Dark Seed, the criticisms that I heard of it mm. made me not want to play it for a while. Well, there, there was another company that was involved uh, as well. It's the, <laughs> the Dreamers Guild, and they were a publisher and developer uh, from '88 until 1997. But I I haven't really played any of their games either they did uh stuff like solitaire and other card games they did do the legend of kyrandia so probably heard of that one uh fairy tale adventure and uh the hall of the dead just a bunch of other ones i've never heard of at all thief quest 1995 (laughs) so they did they did kyrandia and then westwood published it so they were the actual creators of it uh, at least in part, yeah, the legend, or they did the Mac port, so they're actually, you oh, should okay. be all like, thank you, guys. And they also did <laughs> Malcolm's Revenge, they did the port to Mac as well, they did specifically. The ports, okay. Yeah, 
Interesting, these little companies that came and went back in the day, half of which I've clearly never even heard the name of. And it looks like some of them were were co-developers or co-creators, so they weren't sort of the headliner that we might have even seen on the box when we played some of the titles. It's funny because I, from what I understand about Darkseid, one of the things that kept me from playing it was was there was there was complaints or criticisms of the mechanics of it, which is mm. interesting because that, that's my one critique about I Have No Mouth was, was that hmm. the mechanics were were just oddly, oddly poor considering the quality of everything else. But, oh, you know, one thing I wanted to cover, speaking of quality of everything else, good things, uh, the voice acting was amazing in this game. What did you love think? I totally wanted to bring that up. That's so good. I really, you know what? I didn't turn it off. I, and it was drawing people's <laughs> attention. And I almost always would be like, okay, I know what this character sounds like. I'm going to turn it off and just play the stupid game now. This time I'm just like, huh, I kind of want to hear how they're going to say this. Yeah, yeah. I kept waiting for the the first character that that didn't do a good job, and it never happened. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know Har- Harlan Ellison uh, voices M. Um, I'm sure you guys know, but to the listeners, mm-hmm. he, he himself voices M, and he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know Gorister was great. I forgot mm-hmm. the order in which I played him, but just kind of one after another, I'm like, okay, w- which one's gonna be like you know the weakest link out of all the voice actors and, and it never happened like they yeah, all Ellen just delivered phenomenal I really liked yes, her she voice. was my favorite she, yeah, she did so really, good really good so authentic I, I have one thing to say about Harlan Ellison as M um, I'm just not sure if I wanted M to have a voice <laughs> right right you know yeah, I think I that there would have been something really menacing if he didn't have a voice and it was just like the words you know because he's like this supercomputer that has no outlet for any sort of expression other than torturing these people. And so I kind of feel like if he was only able to like just create this monolith with his words and printed on it, it would have been a lot more um, intimidating than to actually hear the voice speak it. Hmm. I hadn't yeah, thought about no, that. I, yeah, I could, I, could, I, I, I could find that acceptable as well. Because I will say when I first fired up this game it was it was three or four years ago and and it was actually the opening monologue from from am that that made me not continue it because i i just <laughs> i don't know at the time it just rubbed me the wrong way i found it to be just a bit a bit much um mm. I, I don't i don't know i don't i don't want to say overacted or anything because it's done it's acted well but it was just it was just a bit too much like you know very mm-hmm. you know you should fear me and in my head i'm like i i know <laughs> <laughs> that's true it is the only thing i've clicked through much is his talking at the beginning i'm like wow that's a lot of words and it was like yellow text on the background when he was talking and it was kind of hard to see a little bit color wise what he was saying too and his voice was kind of echoey a little bit so yeah there was something off-putting about so i I guess to its advantage i think i found his delivery and and everything pleasantly surprising because it it only got better from there you know once Mm -hmm. once i got over that intro hump and who knows maybe that was like the first thing he recorded and so he got better at what he was doing as it went on but um but Rick, to your point, yeah, I, I could definitely see there being something very powerful about just omitting a human voice from from the situation. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if he has, uh, he is an Am. I don't know if Am has any actual words in the short story. I don't recall there being. I think they just kind of like describe what Am does, don't they? Hmm. Yeah, Ted. Ted would relay relay things like Am's gonna be angry or yeah. he was furious mm-hmm. at me. Yeah, but he didn't actually talk. No. Yeah. If I, yeah, I, I I seem to recall that. But I just like as I said, I want to make sure before I say anything concretely. But uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what really made Am 
intimidating to me because he never really he he never vocalizes what he wants or what he thinks. I, I say he because yeah, I, I guess just because I have uh, Harlan Olsen's voice in my head, <laughs> right, uh, really, right. there's no gender assigned to this computer. Oh, I mean, I guess if it had a gender, it would be a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure the women won't fight over this one. Um, <laughs> they won't fight for ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always just thought it was just this presence that didn't have to be embodied in any way. It was just this thing that just controlled their world and their existence and uh, tortured them. Mm-hmm. And there was no real uh, explanation or, you know, there, you can only speculate. You can only um, interpret but the actions, but, uh, you know, adding the voice to it again, like you said, it was done well, but I'm not sure if that particularly added compared to, um, you know, taking some of the mystique away. I think there is some sort of, uh, actually, let me just pull it up here. Hang on a second. I actually have the short story. I did yeah, think yeah. it was funny looking- when he was like, am the great and terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the wizard of Oz joke. Yeah. I, I was just going to say <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, while you're looking at that, uh, mate, I will say, I think to your point, M comes across very much as as a, he comes across very much as like a godlike entity. So giving a god mm-hmm. a human voice, you know, like you said, takes away that that mystique of it's from almost it. beneath him it. that way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or even if they just gave it a robotic voice, if it had to have a voice, mm-hmm. maybe would that make a difference? Uh. Mm. Like it's completely robotic, like as if it's Google reading you back your text. I would say no, only because that's that's never been done well to my <laughs> to my recollection. It would still you know, be I've annoying, heard, right? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard a robot, and, and I and I, th- I think Harlan probably did the best you can do. So so since there's a voice, it was done well. That opening monologue in the game is actually taken from the short story, mm-hmm. um, but. It might be important to note that in the short story, it says uh, that Am said very politely in a pillar of stainless steel bearing bright neon lettering. So that image that we see at the beginning of the game um, of that big pillar with the words etched into it, that's directly taken from the short story. It's just his voice that was added mm-hmm. right. um, in the short story, as I kind of pictured it in my head and as I kind of would like to have continued picture in my head. It was just that pillar with the words just mm-hmm. there in his, um, and I guess it was kind of in his head, but probably implanted there by M. Well, I guess people like us, though, we don't mind games like Planescape, for example, or something where there's a lot, a lot of reading too. Maybe they were just assuming everybody wanted to be able to read and hear because mm-hmm. you have the choice between text or voice. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the overlay of the tracks. Paul, you know more about how it's recorded, right? But it's all kind of rigged together. So you can't like adjust the music volume and the voice volume exactly how you want it with the sound <laughs> effects. Right, right. I guess the other thing too with the, uh, if you read those words rather than hear him say it, is that when you read it in text, you can read it how you want to hear it in your head. Mm-hmm. And there may be different interpretations as to how he might be saying it. But when he says it by voice, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's something inaccessible about about a godlike being, and once you give it a voice, it feels accessible. Mm-hmm. I think it takes away some agency from it, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, because then you can reason with him a little bit, and he and that's just not really part of what you're supposed to be able to do. No, exactly. 
And the other thing too is that it kind of, it kind of, um, there is like the mildest kind of sympathy that I get for Am in the short story because I know that what he's doing to the characters are horrible. There's no question about that. The only sympathy I have for M is the fact that he kind of has it in some ways worse, right? Because this is him lashing out for his fate, which is basically this sentient eternal um, awareness that could never be, that, that could never interact with anything that is always muted in silence that is that has no way of interacting with the world other than torturing these guys and girl hmm. and um you know it's you know he it's explained that that is a torturous existence for am as well so well, yeah, because he knows all the crimes about humanity he knows all the horrible things that were done and, and you know everything all at once and mm -hmm. he's just trying to sort of express that through his horrible actions mm-hmm Right, he was created by and and for and from war. You know that yeah. was that was what he was born of. He was born of, of of war and the necessity of violence, and so that's all he knows. And I, to further your point, I, I think it's interesting that without those humans, the, the five humans that he has, he 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 doesn't he doesn't really have an existence. He needs them to reflect yeah. an existence off of. Mm -hmm. You know, with without them to acknowledge his his very being, then. Mm -hmm he he arguably doesn't even exist in the same sense of like you know a tree falling in the woods kind of existence where it's mm -hmm. you know if nobody's there to recognize your your existence whatsoever then what does your existence matter and that's why the ending of the book is so heart-wrenching for everybody being am and the last person <laughs> left yeah. alive i mean well, it didn't go well for either of the two of them really yeah <laughs> but again like the thing with am is that his or yeah again his quotation marks um, very existence is a torturous state to, uh, to am. So it would be like if we existed in, um, you know, if we existed in a casket buried under the ground with our limbs chained down, like we can't do anything other than just think, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what am is basically, uh, that, that's a state of am is basically an eternity of just a thought. In existence, like just this consciousness. So the only thing that, you know, th that's why it's important for him to keep these people alive to torture them, because it's the only thing it can do with its existence. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Well, and what's kind of, I guess, ironic is what happens at the end of the book to Ted or at the end of the game to anyone in the bad ending, when he turns you into, into that immobile, you know, jelly... Mm -hmm you know sloth blob. thing yeah. blob thank you he basically is it, that that's the closest that that the humans have ever gotten to him where they just they just sit and exist now and mm -hmm. you th you think you know after you after you've gone through it all you stop and think you know how horrible that is to have happened to, to one of the humans and then you have to kind of remember that that's that's how he always exists in a state yeah. of just just you know thinking with no mobility you know no no ability to affect change whatsoever except for against those you know five humans mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah that's it's, really it's interesting way to think about it flipping yeah, it around yeah. like that paul hmm and one more note on that kind of character discovery. This is from the book. Um, so towards the end of the book, Ted is able to kill everyone and sends himself. And the last person that he kills is Ellen. 
And what I love that, that Harlan did in the book, and something I, I think Ricky would spe- uh, specifically would appreciate, was that he, he, he didn't, he left a vagueness uh, as far as with the expression on Ellen's face when she died. Mm-hmm. And Ted tries to kind of convince himself that she was thankful, but he's also mm-hmm. doubting whether it was fear or appreciation or, or even anger towards being killed. And I just thought that was really cool because it puts you in a position of imagining that where like you think all you want to do is die because you're tired of the torture. But, you know, our, our survival, everything hinges on us just needing to survive, needing to stay alive. And even if this is the only experience we have, at least it's, it's an experience that we, we get to have. So mm-hmm. would you want to die in that situation, uh, even if you think you would? And I just thought it was brilliant as an, as an author not me as an author, as uh, for Harlan, <laughs> Harlan as an author to, to have done that, to, to have not said the look on her face was of thankfulness. It wasn't like that. It left this kind of gray area like, oh, did, did she want to die? Did you do the right thing by killing her? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think that was a really good, good moment. Um, that was perfect in all honesty. But at the same time, I think we can be rest assured that she really should be thankful for what happened. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have to say, like, just from my outsider opinion, like, I'm not there, but I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. Like, that made gratefulness might not have been the expression on her face, but I'm pretty sure that it should be. Like, well, Ted will yeah. have a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and that's another one of those little, um, um, con- conflicting emotions that's hard to really comprehend is that we know that uh, Ted is going to be subjected to an eternity of horrific torture, nonstop, just complete, just dreadful existence. But he still has that one, like, at least I can be thankful that I saved the others from this fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> if, if like, obviously, yeah, that's what you would use to try to get you through this. But how much of a consolation is that really at this point? Yeah. 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 How long can that last? Even a few <laughs> hundred years. <it's laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. Um, any final thoughts just before somebody wraps this up? Uh, well, I'm going to go back and finish the last bits that I haven't. I, I played a little bit of each of the characters and finished a few of them, but I, I haven't quite gotten to the end of the game. So talking about it just has me jazzed up to go finish the rest of it. So. Mm-hmm. I do really wish I played this um, a lot closer to when it came out. I didn't even realize it existed mm-hmm. until like the 2000s when um, Home of the Underdogs was big. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just know if I did play this when I was like a teenager, this is definitely one that I would have played over and over again to make sure that I got every single possible ending. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I would have loved the darkness of it. I mean, I still do. Mm -hmm. I just, I liked games that really kind of would be a little bit shocking. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no happy ending. There's just a slightly better ending, I guess. It's all. One of them is actually pretty good. Yeah. The last one. The last one's okay. Yeah. Last one's okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay. That's a good word for it. (laughs) Good might be, might be pushing it, but it's okay. Oh, at least not everybody's dead. So yeah. that's something. <laughs> well, the yeah. the world is going to eventually in like 300 years get back mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of okay. Um I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't, can't wait for 2320. <laughs> 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 all 
right, mates. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. I appreciate you lot listening. We've got one more installment for the uh, October Halloween series. That will make four because that's how months work. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. You can uh, find us on Facebook. We're a page. We're a group. You can find us on Instagram at CGG Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. Do us a tweet at the CG Guild. Um, check us out on Patreon if you like at the Classic Gamers Guild. And thank you so much to all of our Patreons. Really appreciate you guys and love you so much for for supporting the show, making it all possible. And of course, um, to our extra special thanks tier, Mark Fillion, Jay Holmes. You guys are bloody legends. We love you. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I guess that's kind of all the time we got. So wish you all well. We'll talk to you next time. And don't do a mouth. No, don't do a scream. Fuck. <laughs> Just don't do a murder. <laughs> don't do an M. <laughs> yeah.